Good morning, church. His great name, amen? The Word of God says that those who have ears, let them hear, and those who have eyes, let them see what the Lord is doing, and He is doing a good work, amen? I'm so excited this morning. My heart is burning just thinking about these testimonies through baptism and just what God is continually to do, continuing to do in our church, and just even hearing of churches all over the world, all over, even in our own city, in our own country, praying for us. God is doing something. He is doing something, and uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I'm really excited. I just want to know, like, God, what are you going to do today? I came to church with expectations. I came to church thinking, God, what are you going to do this morning? While some may fear, we do not fear because the Lord is with us. We can trust in his great promises. Today, we are going to be looking at Zechariah chapter 9, and we're going to look at 17 verses, and there are going to be three main themes out of the 17 verses that we're going to look at. And I'm going to be talking fast today. So I'm going to tell you the three main points right now. Get it up front. We can just, I'll say them and we can go home. No, we can't. But the first thing we're going to learn is that God is a promise keeper. And sometimes we put our eyes on our situations and we can forget that. Second thing is we're going to learn is God is a promise, uh, as is a peacemaker. That's the second thing. And the third thing is God is a protector. Okay? So those are the three things we're going to look at. And Pastor Rick, isn't he just a great preacher? You know, there's a section this morning. We were singing those songs. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> Leads over to me and he says, uh, Pastor Nick, um, when you get down to that section about Jesus riding the donkey, and you s- make sure that you say uh, full, not foul, because Jesus didn't ride a chicken. <laughs> I love him. He has encouraged me. He has taught me. And I've learned so much being under him. And uh, I thank you for your partnership. I thank you for your leadership. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's get into this. You ready? You settled? Get your pencils out. Well, last week, Pastor Keith preached an awesome sermon. I took lots of notes. All those blessings in the three responses. Like it, we could have went on forever right there. God is just blessing after blessing when it comes to this book. So chapter 8 was telling us the conclusion of chapter 8 displays a glorious future promise for those who are in Christ. That's what we are looking forward to. Some highlights of that promise. Christ, will, Christ is coming. God is returning to Jerusalem. Children and elderly will be in the streets together. There will be peace. Peace will be there. And people will flock to the people of God because his presence is with them. Isn't this a beautiful picture? Isn't this something just to look forward to? As we think about chapter 8, we can read and marvel uh, at at the words and the expectations that are coming. But then there are moments in our day-to-day, like Sunday, that was great, and then Monday comes, and I'm back into the grind. I'm back into the hard, hard moments of my life. We can read chapter 8 and marvel, and then we can think, well, I don't know if that's true. We can look at our situation and ask, do I even trust the Lord? Do I trust the Lord for a a future like this that is being displayed in chapter 8? Have I even settled in my own heart and in my own mind that God will do what he says he will do? Do I even believe it? See, this becomes a, a fundamental question for all believers. Do I trust the Lord to keep his promises? Because we're in the nine to five, we're in the grind every day, we're getting up, going to work, or maybe we're at home with the kids, or maybe we're, we're moms and dads trying to deal with certain things, or maybe we're in school trying to finish off a degree, or we're battling sickness, 
or overcoming a, a marital moment where we're just not seeing eye to eye. And, and sometimes we can get our eyes focused on our situation and we can think, God, do you even care? Do you even see what's going on at this moment? Like, I know you're the God of the universe and, and I know you, you have a, a big role. And sometimes I think, maybe you've forgotten about me. Maybe you've forgotten about my situation. Do you not see this? There are days when it looks that maybe, God, you're not even alive. We go to church, we say you're ruling and reigning, but like, I feel in my heart that maybe you're not. Where are you, God? Peter talked about these people who would come, and he said that these people would come. He named them scoffers. They would come scoffing and challenging, scoffing and following their evil desires, saying, where is the promise of this coming? Where is this? For ever since the fathers have fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning. Is God really God? And will God keep his promise? See, many ponder this question, is God even active? How do questions like this fit, fit into our systematic theology, our pretty nice bow package of this is what we believe? Sometimes we'll take questions like these and they'll pop into our head and our mind. We'll look at our situation and then we kind of just dismiss them. We kind of put them in the, the junk drawer in the kitchen. Like all of us have a junk drawer in the kitchen. It's, it's for the place where the thing that just, it's not really used all the time. So we just stick it over there. I'll give you a quick story. I've been taking over the kitchen as my wife has not been uh, able to cook. And the other day I came into the kitchen and I saw this little question mark material in, little instrument and had a razor blade on it. I didn't know what it was. It was just sitting on the counter. I'm like, what is this? So I, I Googled it. It cuts the corner off milk. <laughs> like, what is this thing? I've been alive for 38 years. Why do we even need this? Jeffia, after first service, came out and said, it has a magnet on the back. You just stick it on the fridge. It'd be all right. No need for the drawer anymore. <laughs> Sometimes we could have questions like this and we could stick them in that drawer and we, we pull them out, but they're only, they're, are they even any good? Do we even recognize that these questions can help us? Well, today, through God's word, it's going to help us to know and understand that God keeps his promises, and we do not have to be afraid of these questions, and we can present them to the Lord. He will be with us. He will help us to understand it through his word. God keeps his promises, and how believers can rest assured that God has his eye on you and your situation. He sees the things that are happening, and he will act. Will we wait? Let's pray. Father, be with us this morning as we just open up your word and, and we, we just ask you, God, that we could spend these moments and ritually dwell before you by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, as, you, as first service has shown, I need your help to preach. God, I need your grace and your mercy. So God, I pray that you would help me there. And God, help us to know that we're meeting with the true, real God and there is no question that scares you. God, help us to be able to present these things to you today. Help us to learn and grow closer to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Zechariah 9, it's big. There's lots of sermons here. Our pastor was away at conference, and, and sometimes when I'm preaching, I'll, I'll often, I'm a young pastor. He's a senior pastor. He's a lead pastor. I'll come down to his office. How do I do this? <laughs> Which way do you want me to go? Because there are so many sermons in this, in this section. But Pastor Rick was away, so this is what you get. I hope, it's, I hope it's sufficient for you. It starts off with this. It says, an oracle. The word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrash. 
and will rest upon Damascus. For the eyes of men and all the tribes of Israel are on the Lord. And upon Hamath too, which borders on it, and upon Tyre and Sidon. Though they are very skilled, Tyre has built herself a stronghold. She has heaped up this silver like dust and gold like the dust of the streets. But the Lord will take away her possessions and destroy her power on the sea, and she will be consumed by fire. Ashkelon will see and in fear. Gaza will wither in agony. And Ekon too, for her hope, will wither. Gaza will lose her king, and Ashkelon will be deserted. Foreigners will occupy Ashdod. And I will cut off the pride of the Philistines. I will take the blood from their mouths, the forbidden food from between their teeth. Those who are left will belong to our God and become leaders in Judah, Ekron, and Jezebites. But I will defend my house against the marauding forces. Never again will opposers overrun my people. I'd underline that. For now I am keeping watch. Underline that too. Underline this whole thing. Rejoice, O greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king. What's he doing? He's coming to you. Righteous and having salvation, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey, not a chicken. I will take away the chairs from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bull will be broken. He will, he will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As of you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I'll bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I'll rouse I will rouse your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and make you like a warrior's sword. O then, then the Lord will appear over them. His arrow will flash like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march in the storms of the south, and the Lord Almighty will shield them. They will, be, they will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They will drink and war as with wine. They will be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save them on that day as the flock of his people. They will sparkle in the land like a jewel of a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive and new wine, the young of the Lord, or the new wine, uh, the young women. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There is a lot here. Are you ready? Well, Zechariah, the prophet, comes and calls this the oracles. See, the prophet turns his attention to the future of God's kingdom, developing themes in two lengthy oracles. The Lord gives this message. It's third person. The Lord is coming. He's got judgment in his hands. Chapters 9 through 11 and 12 through 14 is the oracles. We, spend, we will spend our time looking at a small part in chapter 9. See, the word oracle in the, in the Hebrew is masah. It means burden. The Lord is about to bring a burden upon the nations. Zechariah was sharing with the people that God is coming. You can trust in this. He has not forgotten you. He is coming to Jerusalem. And he is coming, and he's pretty upset. I remember as a kid, my mom, I would, I would torment my mom some days. You, have a, you got kids like that? They just, they're not listening. They're running through the house. They're rowdy. And mom's saying, when your father gets home, we'd laugh. Yeah, he ain't going to do nothing. Where is he? He ain't here. Then we hear the key kind of going in the lock, and we'd be like, uh-oh. <laughs> Let's hide. Well, God's coming home. 
And he's upset because he knows what's happened to his bride. And he sees it all, and he's going to do something. We see that when we're reading this, that the people, the, the, the people of God, they were in captivity for 70 years, and they were coming back to the land, and the land is a mess. The house is a mess. And, and God's bringing them back, and he's saying, I'm going to come back. We're going to go in this place, and it's in shambles, but I want you to build it up. People are looking like, build what up? What can we do with this? This is a mess. Sometimes in our lives, we'll look at situations and say, there's no good outcome for this. Look at this. There's nothing we can do here. We're going to need a lot more than what we have. And the Lord says, no, no, I'm coming. Be encouraged. We look at this, this passage, this, this passage, but also this book, and think that God has not forgotten and he sees what has happened, and he sends these two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. Both of them were coming, and what were they coming to do? They weren't coming just to tell that the Lord was coming. They were coming to encourage, to encourage the people because the morale was low. Their, their place, their former glory about God has been a long, distant memory in their mind. They're not thinking about the good times of Jesus or good times of God. They're thinking like, we got to look over our shoulder to the north because people continued to invade us, to raid us, to, to take us out. But then God sends hope, sends a message of encouragement through these prophets. He comes and saying, go encourage my people, people to return and continue the building. And both of them were saying the same thing. God will be with you. God will help you rebuild the city will be restored. The nations will be protected. You will gain a measure of reputation back that you used to have. God will take care of you. Oh, this is a message for us. When we look out and things are, are bleak, when things are, are not too sure, God will take care of us. We need to remind each other of that. We need to talk about that. We need to encourage each other. Be like those prophets. Don't run around and be, a, I'm a self-proclaimed prophet. But I'm saying, tell somebody, the Lord is with us. The Lord is encouraging. He's about to do what he promised. That's what we're talking about. This book is a message from God to the people. Be encouraged. I hope this message this morning is that to your heart. Be encouraged. Whatever situation, whatever thing that you're going through, be encouraged. Our God sees. He has not left you. The word of the Lord can be trusted. When we look back, as Pastor Rick has taught us through the book, Zechariah 1.4 says, I am, yeah, Zechariah 1.4 says, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion. He goes on to say in 15, I'm exceedingly angry with the nations. He goes on to say that my, in 121, to cast down the horn of the nations, that God is, God's judgment is going to come to these nations. He's not going to let them off the hook. He says in 2.1, take the measuring line and, and go measure Jerusalem because the rebuilding of Jerusalem is going to happen. And this place in 2.1 also says it will be a place without walls, a place of peace, a place where your kids can run and the elderly will be there. And they will, as Pastor Keith taught us last week, maybe they're playing dominoes. They're just in this place where they're just having conversations and fun and it will be just this joyous place, a place without walls. We see in 3-1, the, the Joshua, the high priest, he comes before, and he's in torn clothes, he's in dirty clothes, he's in gross clothes, and the accuser comes, and he's accusing him, and what does the Lord do? He looks at the accuser and accuses him. You have no right to bring that against my kids. And what does he do for Joshua? He gives him new clothes to wear. 
And then we learn about this thing called the branch, which is the messianic title combining the office of prince and king. One will come that will bring peace. Not only will he be the priest, but he will be the king. He is on his way. See, God was speaking his promises to Zechariah. I have made a promise, and I'm going to keep my promise. For God's people, their eyes are on their current situation. Where are you, God? Can't you see this? Have you ever asked God that? God, do you see what's going on here in my life? Like, I don't want to remind you, but it's, it, 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 it's hard. It, it, I'm hurting. I feel like I'm hindered. God, where are you? God, will you, will you come and rescue me, redeem me from this pit? The hope of my first point is God is a promise keeper. God's word will always be fulfilled. And as we look at verses 1 through 8, as we gander through, as we slow down and we're underlining things, we're going to see that God is coming as an avenging warrior. That's a scary God. That's pretty scary. Why am I talking in such a high voice? Because it's a scary moment right now for these nations. Like you're looking at this and we're seeing it that for the eyes of man are on the, the tribes uh, and uh, for the eyes of men, and he, God's eyes are on men in the tribes of Israel. It says they're on the Lord, but it can also be rendered as God is watching what is happening. And these places that are listed here, these places were in the north. And, and history shows that Israel was always looking over their shoulder to the north because the north were invaders. They were coming in and they were ransacking. And it comes down and it talks about this place, Tyre, which is this stronghold, like who could overcome this place? It was an island in the Mediterranean with fortified walls and it was rich and they were very, very bright, very business-like, very wisdom. Who could overcome them? Sometimes we say that thing, uh, there's so many strongholds in our life, there's no way that this could be overcome. But God, don't limit God. Don't limit what he can do. Because he says, I'm coming and I'm going to take away her possessions. I'm going to snatch those away. He says, not only will I just, they be destroyed, I will destroy her power on the sea, but she will be consumed by fire. I bet you the people reading this or hearing, or hearing this from Zechariah, they're like, yeah, right. Like, look at that. Like, how are we going to get there? We're going to spend four years building boats just to get over there, and then they're going to crush us. Sometimes we look at the obstacles in life and say, we have no chance. But God. Do not count out God. See, there is no date when this was going to happen. But God is telling Zechariah that the future is one that is control, that he controls and he leads. That is a message for us. The future is something that he controls and he leads. Today is a hard day. But the future is something that he controls and he leads. God is making his way to Jerusalem and he is wiping out these enemies of his people. See, the eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the people and all the tribes of Israel are on the Lord. They're watching what is happening. They're seeing like, we're supposed to rebuild, but you're saying through this message that you're gonna wipe them all out. When is this gonna happen? Well, this was gonna happen in the future. Actually, centuries later, we see by God speaking this message that he's not letting sin reign. God doesn't let us off the hook for our sin. 
Sometimes it's a delayed punishment. Sometimes it's a delayed punishment. God is heading north. He, is keep, he keeps careful accounts of how the tribes are treated and will bring judgment to those who hurt the people. And he'll bring correction to his people. We often do this, don't we? We keep records of wrong. This person wronged me. This person cut me off. This person looked badly at me at church. They didn't say hi when they opened the door. They're going in my book. I'm not praying for them. We keep these records of wrong. But the word of God says love keeps no record of wrong, but there is a record of wrong. It's because God doesn't love these people. He's bringing judgment against them. But he also provides grace for those who are his. Often the people of God needed to be guarded from the enemies. But God, the avenging warrior, is on his way with anger and justice. When Pastor Keith was preaching last week, I, I noticed in Zechariah 8-7, it said that he will save his people from the east and from the west. And God's people are not even in the destruction. He's, he's going north to south, and his people are on the east and west. Nations that hindered, hurt, and abused the people of God would be dealt with. God will personally deal with these nations. God will execute his own plan, his own way. And often we want to help God in the judgment process. Hey, God, I'm good with my fist. Let me get in there. God, my mouth, my tongue, ooh, sharp. I can be a voice for you. But God doesn't want us to do that. Actually, Peter's, or Paul says for us to not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So what is the promise from this first section that we can look at? Well, there are a few promises. One, God will guard his people. If you're a part of his flock, if you're called out of darkness into marvelous light, you will be guarded. Second thing is, God will defend his people. He will not leave us defenseless. We may feel that people are coming against us. Media is coming against us. Things of this world are coming against us. They're coming against God. Look out. God will defend us. God will call back his people, like his people who, who, who go away and, and I can do this on my own. You cannot escape the eyes of the Lord. You can't. You can't go and hide and say, God doesn't see me here. He sees you. He sees what you're doing and he calls you back. And praise the Lord, may testimony be proclaimed here today that maybe you are here this morning and you're about to come back. Maybe you came to church. We heard that testimony in the tank this morning. I came to church. I wasn't coming back. I was being, I was being saved. Maybe today that's for you. You're being saved. It says God, God does not ask us in this passage to take up arms. He doesn't say go prepare for war, Calvary. God will fight his battles. And he says that we are to live in peace with God and we are to obey his word. And there will come a time where there's such peace that we're not worrying about anything on the outside. We're worrying only about the, the Lord and his word. And even says in the passage that none will march to and fro. We will not need guards because he sees with his, old, his whole eye what is taking place. And we as God's people can focus on the primaries. Loving God and loving, loving others. But my sub-point to this, this is people of God do not take revenge. Look at the culture. Even though in Christianity, it is the only religion alive today that it's okay to hurt, plunder, discriminate, and even kill. Nobody's defending Christianity. We are not to seek revenge. 
In this generation, our brothers and sisters, I've watched on the news just years ago, and even today in different parts of the world, even places that Pastor Rick said are praying and fasting for us, they take our brothers and sisters in the street, they can put them in cages and burn them. Little title on CNN coming up. Christians beheaded. Christians burned. When I did a ministry up on the campus when I first arrived, I did a Chinese ministry, they were telling me that in, in China, if you put a cross on the building, they don't like that. They'll tear the building down because it's a reminder. They'll tear that cross right down because it's a reminder that a king is coming and it's going to overthrow their government. The world thinks that they can shut God up and keep God out by hurting people. But here's the thing. The church won't stop because people don't lead the church. God does. God leads the church, and he has a plan. So for us as God's people, even though we can see things and we're going through things, we can have hope that he is a promise keeper. Instead of going out and fighting with people, we get on our hands and knees and we pray, and we fast, and we let the Lord be the Lord. We let God be God, and let us worry about the things that he has asked us to worry about. That's taking care of each other, taking care of his word, taking care of his family, and taking care of people who are caught in darkness. And bringing them the gospel, the marvelous light. You see, this is a hard application for many of the tribes and many of us today. Will God defend us? Will he help us? Did that cross your mind in the last year? We even read in Revelation that the the martyrs cried out in a loud voice, O long, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood. See, when persecution breaks out, God sees with his own eyes, and he tells us, your job, my peeps, love well. Love well. Obey my word. Don't compromise. Don't stray, but pray. Seek his face. Love well. Please wait on the Lord. Please wait on the Lord. How do you respond in trials? You think, I need to get ahead of this? I need to get out and, 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 and fix it? Some people think like, wow, this is a, a season of peace, but I know something's coming because my life is not peaceful. Like, I'm enjoying this for the moment, but I know something's coming around the bend. Maybe that season of peace is for you to take a moment, take a break. Take a gander of what God is saying in his word so that you can get it on the inside that you will not sin against him and when the next trial comes up, you can stand firm. You can say, I will not be shaken for my God keeps his promises. But do you rush it? Rush the process? See, this oracle was centuries old. God's people had to wait. They had to trust. They had to seek. They had to obey. They had to listen to their leaders. And it was hard. I want to be independent, God. I want to do me. He says, you do you, you're going to be in trouble. Like, I let you do you. Look what I got, yeah. So what do we do when things happen like this to our brothers and sisters? When we can't handle the current moment in our life, what do we do? What do we do when we become like David and we're crying out, God, the the waters are up to my neck. I think that next wave is taking me out. What do we do? Well, verse Verse 9 gives us the answer. We worship and we remember his promises. Because of his promises, 
there will be peace. It says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he. See, Zechariah, he paints this picture of a warrior God who is punishing the nations for what they continue to do to his people. And history shows us that God used this man named Alexander the Great Alexander the Great to accomplish all of this. John MacArthur goes through this huge battle that happened in uh, 333 BC, talking about how God God used Alexander the Great. He was was a ravished guy. He'd go in and he'd tear it all down. And he started to make his way through all of these places. All these places that are listed here that were in the north, he used him. And he gets to this fortified island, and the the island, they think they're safe. How often do we put our trust in our possessions and our materials and our bank account, and we think, oh, we are safe. There's no way that they're going to get to me. There's no way that they're going to get to us. And Alexander the Great, he takes the rubble from one nation, and he builds a path. And he goes in, and he burns it to the ground. God will keep his promises and he will not overlook the sin. He will get there. Lightning swift conquests coming through. The Holy Spirit is here in this chapter revealing the whole plan to us. The whole battle plan is here. And it was written centuries before Alexander was born. That is why it doesn't name him. He didn't exist, but yet every detail of his crusade is here. God used a godless human as an instrument to complete his great plan against the nations that were taking out his people. God can use all things for his great name. God's got your back. And the people who knew this prophecy, prophecy, the people who are listening and passing it on to their children, generation and generation, they were on the lookout for an avenging warrior king. And they got Jesus. I say it like they got Jesus. They got Jesus. And he didn't come as a warrior king. But even his disciples had this mentality like, we're going to do it. We're going to rally the troops. We're going to overthrow. They come to Jesus and say, Jesus, when? When are we going to get together and we're going to, when are you going to restore Israel? When are we going to get, get together and fight them? Even Peter, on the day that Jesus was arrested, brought a sword out and cut the ear off the high priest's servant. Like, I'm going to battle. Let's revolt. Let's get out there. Jesus says to Peter, put away your sword. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Jesus was not coming as a mighty warrior, but as a righteous, humble king. Let's look at the text. It says, your king. Uh, Nine. Rejoice greatly. He says, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation. Your king, the royal descendant of David, repeatedly promised all of the scriptures on the screen for you. The branch that Pastor Rick was teaching about that would be both king and priest was coming to you. It says that he is righteous, described as an activity of the king, governing and administering justice, encouraging what is right. The righteous will be vindicated. This is a cause for great joy and worship, O people of God. See, God is not turning his face away from our sin. He sees it, and he sees what the people are doing. And we know that sin equals death. Jesus was bringing peace. Second point, he's the peacemaker. Well, why is this so important? 
Why do we need a peacemaker? Why didn't God just run the heavens and just come down? Just rock it, taking out everyone. Well, he had a different plan. In the Old Testament, kings and kings and king's sons, they would, they would ride on these, they would ride donkeys. It's, it's, it's okay to ride a donkey. When they were going to war, they'd go on a war horse and a chariot and they'd go off to battle. But when there was, there was no war and it was just home, they would ride these donkeys and it was a sign of peace and it was a sign of work. They used the war horses for war. So what does the donkey stand for? That our king was coming not just as a humble man, but as a peacemaker. And we see in Luke 19.41, right after he gets in Jerusalem, he talks about how he was weeping over the city. Because there are so many people in the city that didn't have the peace or wouldn't receive the peace. Would they even know today that they knew the things that make for peace? That shows, I think, that the choice of donkey to enter the city was like the coming, that Jesus was coming in with a white flag, not a white flag of I surrender to people, but a desire to make peace. See, Jesus gives us the opportunity to divert the wrath that is intended for our lives. We deserve this wrath that is coming, but Jesus steps in and by his righteousness it is diverted. He took the wrath in our place. This is something for us to rejoice upon. In an earlier verse in Luke 1938, Luke tells us the people were shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Luke wants us, wants to make plain in the way he tells the story that Jesus was coming on the donkey mainly as a peacemaker, not just peace on earth between man and man, but also peace in heaven between man and God. Peace in heaven, they cried. Let God in heaven be at peace with his people. So what Jesus meant when he chose the donkey to ride on was this. I am meek and I am lowly in heart. I am approachable. You can come to me. This is what I offer in exchange for my life. My righteousness, my perfect life lived is going to be accredited to your account. And without that credit, you deal with God's fury. That should wake up our ears, our hearts, our minds. That should cause us to think Am I redeemed? Am I reconciled to God? He says, I did not come to condemn, but to save. And I come on behalf of God, my Father in heaven, to reconcile you to him, to make peace between you and your maker. Have you been reconciled to God? Can you firmly answer that today? Please think about that as God's word is being talked about. See, God had this plan, and it was from from the old times, And we see this in verse 11, because of the blood of my covenant, there's a remembrance of the blood covenant that was between God and the people, the Mosaic covenant, and his sacrifices that would come for all people. It's the best trade deal ever. This is what Trump should be talking about. The best trade deal ever. I give you my sin, you get no wrath, righteousness, and peace. Nothing better than that in the world. But the world doesn't respond. They're missing out on the best deal ever. Verse 14, God, or God is a promise keeper. God is a promise maker. But also God is our protector. Verse 14 says, God will go ahead of his people. He will rule and he will reign. He will like, be like a bear in war seen before the army arrives. 
every eye will see and every knee will bow at the coming of our Lord. They will see him before they see the rest. He will be high and lifted up. We sang about it today. But there is a time, another time that he is coming and he will be high and lifted up. And not only will he be high and lifted up and we will shout for joy and be so excited, but it says in verse 15, the protection of the Lord will be on his people. There will be exuberant worship. Like Jim, if his bucks ever won the, or the Super Bowl, there would be worship because that's never going to happen. But if that happened, Jim would be so excited. That's how the people of God are going to be when they see, they see him coming. See, we kind of dampen down our worship. We want to make it orderly. But there's going to come a time when God shows up that we're not going to be able to control ourselves. And I was telling first service, like, when we get to heaven, the new heaven, new earth, like, I'm going to be pushing you out of the way to get to Jesus. So I, want to, I just want to confess that now and ask for your forgiveness. But I also believe that in our glorified bodies, there must be some kind of thing that holds us back from just jumping on Jesus. And Pastor Rick will teach us about that sometime. <laughs> but there will be this time where we will be so excited, we'll be worshiping, and it's just going to be an amazing moment. And we get to have a little glimpse of that right now. Not just on Sunday, every day, get up and worship your Lord. Amen. Get your feet on the ground, get ready for work. Get a joyful song in your mouth, the Lord is with me. His mercies are new for me today. Amen. Verse 16 talks about the day, the day when he will come. And God will judge the wicked and deliver the righteous and restore all of his creation. A day he will save them all. We are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. We're in this tension of that. So that, that's, that's why we need to really seek the word and know it and understand it and, and get it on the inside. Oh, the promises of God are so beautiful. They will be fulfilled See, the people of God can trust in the creator, even though Peter says, for a little while, for a little while, friends, for a little while, church, we may have to suffer. We have to, may have to suffer all kinds of trials, but keep the faith. Our God reigns. Amen. If you get anything today as you go out the door, walk to your car and repeat it. Our God reigns. Amen. He's real. He's alive. He cares. He's for me. He's not against me. Help me to understand my wickedness. Help me to understand where I fall short, God, so I can run to the cross, so I can run to Jesus and confess my sins and be renewed. Our Lord is powerful, and he can use all things to accomplish his purpose, even when we don't understand. We need to remember that his ways are not as our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. God has begun a good work, and he will complete it, as he promised. God has his eye on mankind. He sees all and he knows all and he will deal with all. God will not permit evil and sin to rule. God will always keep his promises. And if you don't know them, look at them. I had a deacon in my old church who would come in. He had a different Bible, lots of highlighters. Every day he'd sit at the back before we would start. I'd go, Dan, what are you doing? He said, I'm highlighting the promises of God. There's so many. There's so many. Flicks open his Bible, looks like a rainbow. There's so many He's using all these different colors. There's so many promises there. He says, Nick, do you even know the promises? I'm like, I better start studying. You've got a rainbow coming out of your Bible. Like, i got to get on this. He will always keep his promises. When we look at this text, we see that God sent Jesus as the peacemaker between you and God. 
God's children will always be protected. He will appear. He will protect. He will save you. And he will, he will provide. We can trust the Lord. Amen? Amen. Church, do you trust the Lord? I pray that you're encouraged today by this scripture. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, this day. Lord, for those who are here and those who will see us online, God, I pray that you would just, uh, just help them to understand that, the truth about who you are. God, that you are, are reigning, you are ruling, you are the peacemaker. You have come and brought the gospel for us to share. I pray for any heart here that has not been reconciled to you. Let not that heart be hardened. Let it come forward. Will salvation come to their life today? For those who are caught in sin, Jesus, you're the chain breaker. You break off all these chains. Help us to confess with our mouths and receive this forgiveness. God, please continue to have your way with your church. We love you. We look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Beloved, as we close our, our service off today, at the beginning of the sermon, I talked about this like junk drawer of all these questions. And just to confess with you, like six months ago, I would have said, you just take that drunk, junk drawer and you just bring it to the cross and you just leave it there. You just have faith. What I'm learning about God's word is that he wants us to wrestle through those things because through the wrestling of our questions and our fears, we discover the true and real God. So don't be afraid. Seek the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Get in his word daily. Don't just verse of the day it. Do a book a day. Do something bigger than that. Seek the Lord with fullness of heart and get the word of God on the inside so that you'll know how to handle all situations all the time. I pray that you're encouraged today by God's word. If you would like prayer or if you want to know the Lord even more as, through salvation, please come to the front. Your pastors will be here. We love you so much. Have a great day.